will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween weekend, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Or perhaps we are knocking on your door ready to trick or treat. Perhaps... <laughs> We'll leave the treat and ring the doorbell and run like hell. We, we haven't decided yet. That was a lot easier to do back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I don't run so fast anymore. <laughs> That's why you're the one that gets caught all the time. That's right. That's All righty. Hey, we've got Nathan, tall guy Nathan, our Saturday producer at the board. What are your big Halloween plans, Nathan? Well, I got myself a campfire up and running right now, roasting some s'mores. Got a flashlight under my head, though. I can say with these cell phone cameras or flashlights, it's not as effective as those old school big flashlights that stick underneath yeah. your chin and yeah. make yourself look all spooky while you're telling ghost stories. That's right. That's, that's right. That's Ooh. the way to do it. We are so happy to be talking with our good friend, Matt Shea, today. He has made a few appearances on our show. Uh, historians of local broadcasting are researching to see whether it's three or four. There's some discrepancy, and we'll get back to you on that critical detail. He's made multiple visits to American Road Trip Talk. Heard 1 p.m. Pacific time each Friday on AM 1150. Always a joy to have Matt with us. I have his mini bio here. We've got so many stories to tell. We, he has so many stories to tell. And he chronicles them like a ghost researcher should do. His professionalism shine through. And his dedication to not only good storytelling, but to the elegance of the written word. Family style. He's a family guy. Matt Shea is a constantly developing author, having published nine books at last count. He may have another wow. one in the pipeline. I don't even know. We'll about ask. It. He is greatly inspired by the long, successful career of Andy Griffith and enjoys focusing on the common folk and their mores, the kind that make up small towns and imbue a man like Matt Shea with what we like to call the Mayberry mystique. Once again, he is with us on Manson Mitchell, Matt Shea. How are you doing? And happy Halloween to you, sir. A happy Halloween to the Manson Mitchell team. And it's not the same unless I'm doing Halloween with Gary and Suzanne. Uh, we love it. We love it. You hear some Nathan. great spooky stories. Uh-oh. Here they come. The spooky stories are coming for Halloween. Now, that's from Psycho. And here's a little bit of movie trivia before we get into this. And the theme, the way it's shaping up, it looks to me, with certain exceptions, perhaps, like an hour of haunted hospitality. That phrase occurred to me, and I think I'll go ahead and use that term. That's the kind of thing you could reuse, haunted hospitality. When it comes to that psycho music from the Alfred Hitchcock classic, I learned, and I heard this on TV, so I don't want to gross anybody out, but it's a Hollywood fact, that in order for Janet Lee, I mean, they weren't going to do it on her, were they? They're so in order to get that stabbing sound to make it seem like a human being was in the process of being killed with this knife, Hitchcock arranged for them to stab a dead pig huh. because you wanted the wow. knife into tissue going wow. in that repetitive stabbing and whatnot, and then that terrifying music. 
Alfred Hitchcock would go a long way to make a movie, you know. And then he, afterwards they had a barbecue. Then then they had a barbecue right there on the <laughs> set. It was amazing. Yes, Alfred Hitchcock, famous for saying it's only a movie, but he was so innovative, innovative, just a creative genius. And now we have Matt Shea with some Halloween stories. Creative writer. He's a creative writer. He's a great family man. He does have that Mayberry mystique going on. And uh, as a result, it makes him one of our favorite storytellers. Mm -hmm. Let us begin. Haunted Hospitality. Wow, Matt, you go around Puget Sound and even beyond the fringes of the sound itself in order to collect these great stories from the Pacific Northwest, notably Western Washington. And you have several for us today. I hope we fit them all in. I'm so happy to be here because I'm really in a gold mine where I live. We are so close to the Seattle area, and we're close to forts and other places, and the stories are just there. Let me get this rolling. Batting leadoff, we have the famous, the fabulous, and apparently the haunted Hotel Sorrento in Seattle. I have been to the Hotel Sorrento, didn't get haunted there, but I went there after a church-related event back in 1997. Oh, my goodness. Well, what that tells me is the place is memorable. Otherwise, you know, we how many parties do we really remember in the course of a lifetime? But I remember that one because it was spontaneous. A group of newly minted friends from church and I got together. We had some drinks and closed the place down. Yes, they were vacuuming around our feet there. And so we knew it was time to go. And we didn't really want to because it was such a, a lush and elegant and romantic setting right there in the bar just a wonderful time was had by all but not everybody that checks into the hotel sorrento has a great time nor do they necessarily check out that is well put i'm going to put this out there right now when i went to the hotel sorrento this was the first time and i'm going to use the word terrified this is the first time i got wow. terrified checking out a place known to be haunted. It all started when I was going through the list of known haunted hotels in Seattle, and I saw the Hotel Sorrento had a high rating, and it's not too far from my home. It's probably a good 45-minute drive or something. So I called up the front desk, and I explained that I like to do radio shows, and the person on the other end said, well, you would be interested in going up to our fourth floor and if you're serious, you would want room 408. And that registered how concise he was about that. So with an hour, I'm at the front desk checking in, and it's someone else, and I am explaining why I am there. And they said, oh, then you would want room 408. I did just that. Now, there is something about these beautiful hotels from the turn of the century. I go by, if for whatever reason, the elevator and the halls are empty as I make my trek to that given point. Such was the case, and right there it was eerie. When I got to the fourth floor, the elevator was beautiful. It was oak with mirrors and brass, but I was by myself. This is a busy, popular hotel. When I got on fourth floor, it was beautiful. It was so clean and pristine. 
but it was empty, but I did not feel alone. I walked down the hall, and there in the corner was the room 408. I opened the door, and when you open that door, you're staring at a wall because it's a hallway. You could either go to the left or the right. As soon as I entered that, I felt a lot of intensity. And for years Mm. and years, I've been purposely going to places that claim to be haunted. I've stayed in many haunted hotels. This was the first one that really got me. Mm. So I take a left. It's a corner room. It's several stories up. I'm overlooking part of the Seattle skyline from the city point, the inside looking out, the beautiful buildings that date back 100 years. It was gorgeous. And then I saw this desk, and I thought, great, I could do my research, my studies tonight. And I looked at that desk, and I said, no, I'm not going to sit there facing a wall, feeling whatever's in this room is going to penetrate further. So I go down the hallway past the door, and I see the beautiful bedroom with the beautiful view, nice queen-size, beautiful. And then beyond that was the bathroom, which was done in marble, gray marble. It was beautiful, luxurious. When I go to hotels, I use the bathtub. I'll get up at 1, take a bath, just listen to the quiet, open up my mind, write things. That was going to be part of my evening but there was some wrong feeling. Past the bathtub, you take a 90-degree turn, and there's the toilet, and I'm feeling too confined in a place where I know good and well is truly haunted. So I left my provisions on the bathroom sink, and I got out of that room to go back downstairs, and again, nobody's there. I really feel contained. I feel like I'm marked. So I'm now at the front desk, And here come the stories. One of the gals who works there told me that when she was actually on the seventh floor, she saw the proverbial door open by itself. But she said it's in the center of the building. Nobody was there. I've heard stories. It finally happened. Something did that. It was not an act of nature. It wasn't physics. And then... They have two bars in the basement, if you've noticed that, in the main lobby, Gary. They have two. They have the main one, and then they have the old one. Well, I went to both of them. I went to the old one first, and the night shift manager came up, gave me a pot of tea, started telling me her stories, and then she brought in people who worked there, the cooks, uh, people who did valet parking, assistant managers, servers, They were all taking turns telling me stories. The cooks told me that they have a ghost that they affectionately and facetiously refer to as Ramona. They said Ramona is the ghost who attacks the kitchen. They will see boxes fly off the shelves, pots and pans, things pushed over. Oh, I see Ramona is here. The two cooks who talked to me told me that just outside of the door leading to that kitchen, they have a stairwell, and on occasion, on the top of the stairwell, they see the ghost of a blonde-haired woman dressed nicely, looking back, and then she vanishes in an instant. The cooks have all seen her numerous times throughout their career. So this Mm -hmm. is going on there, and then the dumbwaiter that they have 
that travels the food up and down in that little elevator that a person could not fit in, they say that there are times where they hear a multitude of screaming and crying of female voices orchestrated, many coming from the bottom of the hotel. The servers would tell me they would see objects move. They would see the shadows. Now, we have a special ghost here who is Alice B. Toklas. She got her fame in 1954 writing a cookbook that introduced the world to the marijuana brownie. That was her creation, and it went far. In fact, in 1968, Peter Sellers did a movie on that, I Love You, Alice B. Toklas. They say that she is the coolest spirit whatever. Sometimes her description is seen walking outside the building on the sidewalks running next to the building, only to see it dissipate as she goes by because she's dressed from another era. She's seen in the lobby, but overall, Alice is seen on the fourth floor and particularly room 408. So I'm talking to all these people. They're all scaring me a bit more and more. I go to the other bar, and they said, hey, earlier we had a group here with a Ouija board, and we immediately put an end to that. We do have an image about being haunted, but let's be clean about it. Well, outside they had one of those circus tents where people could dine outside, and they got the huge fire torches, and everybody's happy. In the very back, there were those doing tarot cards. And again, they sort of looked the other way. And what I'm trying to say is they told me that all the time they get all their groups coming in, the paranormal societies, the TV shows that want to feature this haunted house. I am getting good and scared. I'm getting chills. And I thought about it, and I thought I could just hang out in that room but kind of not stay the night. I've kind of got my fill already. Here I go. I'm on the fourth floor, and nobody's there but me. And I enter room 408, and I am feeling just this thickness, this invisible fog of intensity. I feel that there is an anticipation for me to return, a spiritual one. And so I look in the living room to see if anything has changed. I went to the bathroom, and I knew to get out of that room. I grabbed my provisions. And here's what happened. When I left that door in the process of closing it, I heard a groan that encompassed me on all sides. It seemed to be of a different dimension. It was a faint echo chamber type groan. And we question ourselves because this is such a rarity. I played with the door. It made no such sound. All it did was a free swinging sound that cracked the door jam ever so slightly. This is more like a violin taking that bow and just running it as long as it could. It was a human sound of a lengthy groan. I stayed out of that room. I called out, is that you, Alice? Nothing happened, but I was not going to go in there to challenge. I closed the door, and I went back down. Once I'm at the front desk, they asked, Matt, are you leaving? And I said, well, I'm checking out now, but I'm going to visit a few more in the bar who will talk to me in the lobby. 
They said, well, we had some more things to tell you about that room, but we were going to mention it when you checked out tomorrow. They said as recent as two days earlier, a couple, not knowing that the hotel had a reputation for being haunted, rented room 408, and upon opening that door, they saw the ghostly figure of a woman standing there staring at them, and she disappeared immediately. They both saw it, went to the front desk, and, hey, we got a ghost in that room, and I was surprised. They accepted a different room in that hotel instead of going to another part of town. And then they said about two or three weeks earlier, they had another couple in there, and the husband saw his wife to get up to go to the bathroom, and then he saw the ghost of a little boy following her. The valet kid, he was marvelous. He said he would never stay in any of those rooms. He says, he says it's a whole building. It's not just the fourth floor. It's not just 408. Now, I would. I love it, but I want to have some backup here. I want to have the comfort of not being alone, and I would have my wits about me better, which leads to my daughter and I are going to rent 408, and it's going to be a fun dad and daughter night. Who knows? We might even make some jiffy pop. Who knows? With her around, we would get more out of this. Wow. That is one spooky story. I was terrified. I was shaking, and I knew to get out of that room the moment I opened the door for the first time. You've never said that on our show. I never have because in recent years, no such thing has ever happened. Now, I was raised in a house that had a little activity, and my little sister and I were aware of it, and a group of us guys rented a house many years ago and some funny things. Since I've been doing radio shows on the topic, this is the first time where something met me halfway. And again, that sound, yeah, I have an imagination. I write fiction. I didn't imagine that. Process of elimination, it was not the door. It wasn't the action of closing the door. It was the action of whatever understanding that I am leaving. Mm. And so it, I love that. So a point to be made here is there is a collective consciousness and a consensus, if you will, around the haunted nature of this building of all the history and the weight of it that you can feel you experienced that in one of their rooms Matt where you're there and there's a density you were talking about it's just like to me anyway I, I, I will make this analogy you go into a house where within the last hour as they were getting ready to receive guests perhaps you walk in and there is a heaviness in the air that suggests there was some kind of turmoil, some controversy, an argument perhaps, that occurred just before you showed up. And they're making nice and they're greeting you at the door, but the heaviness in the air suggests that this is not a harmonious spot at this time. And this is where a structure carries its own history. And it sounds like that's what's going on at the Sorrento. It knows its own history, in a sense, and people, by tending to it, by bringing their own consciousness of it, their awareness, start to become part of the story themselves, including you. 
that is well put because people like me, the mats out there, were hoping to have some activity. Well, you got to watch out for what you ask for. I've been other places where I could sense the vibes. I could feel it. I've been places where I don't want to stay in this room. I'll take that one. This was the one where I wanted to get out of Dodge, but I'm yearning to go back. My daughter and I at the dinner table last night, we have a game plan. We're going to have fun. It's us. Now, how do I explain it when she goes to the bathroom and then she finds me shaking under the bed? Uh, you know what you say you say and how's this for a segue i've had enough of this i can't handle this i need to go someplace that's traditional yes but mellow why don't we check in over at the uh mayflower hotel that'll do it the mayflower hotel is quite a place and in fact i found out that one of my friends that i do radio shows with he used to work there for a while they were built in 1927 And I was there a few years ago doing business on that street. And so I stuck my head in and I went to the front desk and I said, hey, there's a lot of talk. Is this place really haunted? The assistant manager started to nod her head up and down, greatly exaggerating it. And the manager standing next to her said, well, we don't really like to talk about that. Okay, they're talking code, like how those B movies all start out. And so my friend who worked there, he said that he was told by everybody the place was haunted, and he was told that there's a ghost of a woman that knows to linger about that watches people. He said the shadows, the strange noises, he tried to keep it out of his mind because he's contained there for eight-hour shifts, but a lot of talk. And so I went there last week, and the research I did, their number one ghost is a friendly haunting. He's the former greeter of decades ago, and his spirit is often seen manning his post, greeting people at the front door, seen at the front desk in the main lobby, in the elevator, and all the way up to floor number six. And when I was talking to the front desk, they said, we'll take you up to floor number six because each of us knew what we were talking about. They weren't sure what room he rented, but he did live in the hotel during that era. And they say all the time, we have the paranormal societies, the ghost shows coming here with their meters and stuff. And yes, there's activity and things. And I said, well, what about you two guys? And they said, we have coworkers that have seen things. But what we have watched is we've seen towel dispensers go off by themselves. It had nothing to do with sensors. Once in a while, that phenomena will happen, especially in this one bathroom. But they can't put their finger on it. So there is a lot of story about the Mayflower. I've met people who have stayed there, and you know the place is haunted, don't you? They have something going on, but they clearly emphasize it's a friendly spirit. It's just a wonderful employee, the doorman, who loved living in that hotel, loved calling the Mayflower his home, and apparently he's still on duty. You know, it, at Halloween time, we're, we're all about the spooky stuff. And as you're talking about this friendly spirit, I'm thinking, 
you know, there are a few Caspers in the world. There are a few friendly ghosts that just want to hang out where they've been living or where they've been working. And so not every ghost needs to be scary. Some of them are going to be nice. And and you found one. That is true. And I want to throw in something else. Often, it's not in the middle of the night or one o'clock in the morning. It is broad daylight. The phenomena that I have seen initially that got me interested in this topic, and this is going back in the 70s, it was in broad daylight with a group of buddies. What was that? Did you see that? And we would all discuss, well, it must have been a ghost. What else? That type of thing. They seem to be 24-7s. And, you know, I like that, too, because you're right. It's hard to go to sleep at night when you think that the haunting is about to start, you know, as soon as you close your eyes and you're going to get scared. But uh, how much nicer to be able to see some of these visions during the daylight. And then you then it's less about your imagination. Oh, maybe I was dreaming. Maybe I was sleepwalking. You know, you question yourself maybe a little bit less in the daytime. I appreciate that. Years ago, I bought a condominium in Kent, Washington, and I had to sign a document, and I believe this is a law, being told that the place was haunted. And so the owner sat me down, and she said his name is James. He was the original owner here, and apparently he died of cancer, and his ghost is here, but he's comforting me. I'm going through divorce, and he's a friend, and He's usually upstairs in the loft, sometimes on a stairwell, and everything's fine. So I signed off. I was told I lived there for two and a half years. Everything seems normal. And then the day came where I had a friend over, and she asked if that place was haunted. And I said, I don't think so, but it was supposed to be. At that moment, and this is about four in the afternoon, the month of August, we heard these footsteps, kind of like jumping up and down, slapping. And I look down my walkway and I see these dried leaves stirring up. And there's no wind. I said, look at that. It's as if a ghost is dancing. It stopped. The heavy footprints went down the walkway towards my door, towards us, because we had the door open and the screen door closed. I could hear it walk up the steps and then something grabbed the door mechanism. And it's those type where your fingers wrap around the bar and your thumb pushes it to open it. Well, those aluminum doors, they kind of contort with the settling of the home, so they get stuck often. This thing fought and fidgeted with it until it finally popped it open. So now we have that shock absorber and the spring on the chain growing taut as it's pushing open. It's not winding. And then we heard the footprints do a little bit of a jitterbug, like da-da-da-da, that type of thing, right in front of us. And we don't drink or anything. It was broad daylight. It was jovial, something that Ed Gwynn would do. And how peaceful and jovial and harmless don't bother me. We did not see a shadow or hear voices, but we heard the activity, heard and felt the vibration of the footsteps, because he's putting weight into it, and watched that temperamental screen door fight itself till he could open it, which is what I went through every time I entered that home. But peaceful. Wow. Now, is there any possibility that the uh, owner of this condo wanted to get rid of you and yet keep your deposit? (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. A lot of places don't like me hanging around very long. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we're glad you hang around with us. Let's go ahead and take our one and only break of this hour. We're talking with Matt Shea. Our theme is haunted hospitality, and we may even squeeze in a lighthouse down in Ilwaco, Washington, with a very haunted reputation. It's Halloween weekend, and we're glad that you have joined Manson Mitchell. We'll be right back after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Deidre Combs, an expert in conflict resolution, who has great things to say about coming to terms with people problems. The way of conflict can point us to the path of successful living. On Saturday, Adam Schack, the passion doctor, is featured in this encore presentation from earlier in the year. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour on Halloween weekend, Matt Shea. Matt, you have written numerous books now. And if people would like to find out what are some of the things that you write about, where can they get your books and how can our listeners connect with you to learn more about Matt Shea? Many conclude that I'm a Christian author, which I take great pride in and a hallmark finesse to it. And so if you go to matchsaybooks.net, you get my answer, my report to Small Town USA. And yes, we have some free stories there. We also have a free audio book. It's a lot of fun. I hired somebody the best in the business, and it's for the family. Your grandparents can listen to it with their children on the lap. Excellent. Matchsaybooks.net. Do I have that right? Yes, we do. All right. Thank you. I like pizza. I don't always want it with ghosts, but I definitely like my pizza. I like to go to different pizzerias to have a good time. 
maybe a ghostly good time if a couple of places wind up on the itinerary. Please tell us about it. You've, you've chronicled so much, Matt, and you've got the, uh, a place to go for a slice of pizza and you get a ghost in the bargain. And there was another hotel in there we were going to talk about. You want to talk about, you know what, let's, and this is a matter of respecting a, a tradition, the, the owners, the managers, the spirits there who have taken up seemingly permanent residence. They were talking about the Stanwood Hotel. Please give us the scoop. When I moved into Marysville and people learned that I did radio shows, and they're bats and mitzel buffs, by the way, and they like the Halloween shows, many had told me to go to the Stanwood because they had been there and they said, trust me, it is. The casino down the street, the manager says, you know about the Stanwood. I went there. It's a honky-tonk place that you'd expect to see James West and Artemis Gordon It was built in 1894, and it was designed for horses, not automobiles. It is a very popular haunting, and I even got to speak to the owner of it. I went in there one night, and one of their servers took a long break, sat me down, and told me a few stories, and then she introduced me to people at the bar. They continued. One of the stories is that rooms 8 and 9 seem to be the most haunted, and in fact, It's closed now because the hotel part is closed because of COVID. They plan on opening in a few months. And they said that they had a couple there where the woman could not find one of her earrings, and it didn't make sense. And then it was found in her purse, and that was not part of the equation. And then when they were moving out of the room, they couldn't find one of her slippers. It didn't make sense. They searched high and low. And then when they looked at the front door where all of the luggage was stacked up, that other slipper was right there, front and center on top. Something put it there. They say that they have a ghost that it wears a trench coat that's been known to sock guys in the arm in the bar and talk to the women. They say that in the mirror they would see an old Western-type ghost making faces to the room looking back. And these aren't people looking at their reflection. They're catching this at an angle. The song Country Roads seems to haunt the place. They have 13 bar stools at the bar, and they brought in ghost um, people, professionals, that said that there are spirits sitting there. One night, the song Country Roads played 13 times on its own, but each time it was a different rendition, going faster, slower, starting, did it 13 times there. Sometimes they see a cloud drifting across the floor. Sometimes it's a white cloud. Sometimes it's a dark one going behind the bar. Each and every person said, of course this is haunted. They're part of the community. We're family here. That is the talk at the Standwood, and they got a great kitchen. Wow. Well, I feel like a slice of pizza, and here I am in Everett, Washington. I say to myself, since I'm here, let's go ahead and grab some pizza, Suzanne. Some za. Get some za, and I like a, a little ghostly activity on the side. Where would I go for that in Everett, Matt? You would go to the Rock Pizza, and I'm going to give the address. When you're off of I-5, there's a little dining sign for the Rock, and they are 410-196th Street. And anyway, when I went there, they were greatly hospitable greatly and they said you better believe we are haunted let's take you downstairs to show you where a former employee had hung herself that building 
had changed hands a few times. And several businesses ago, there was an accountant who was embezzling and drove that business to a bankruptcy. Mm. And out of shame, she hung herself. They tell me that they will see her ghost shadow going through this popular pizza place, weaving in and out tables where people are having time of their life. And the pizza is sensational. Trust me, I ordered one. I took it home. That by itself is something. A woman had gone to the bathroom, and she saw a woman dressed in the 1950s who got up and left that bathroom by walking through the wall, not the door. (laughs) They say in the kitchen, objects moved, things are thrown about. There is something about the paper dispensers where they like to play with that, like how a kid likes to generate a pile with the ice cream machine. That happens a lot. But they hear the voices, they see things moving, and once in a while you have a broken glass. But boy, those two guys at the front desk, they were tit for tat, one little story after another that took place recently. They're very proud Mm. to talk about their haunting. Very interesting. I can see where that would be good for business. Did they say anything to you about the possibility of clearing that space? Maybe they don't want anybody coming in burning sage there. If you've got something like this, this kind of history to offer, you just certainly you don't you want to be compassionate toward those who have passed on and yet remain. It's it's just it's kind of a tough call in a way, because there are places that would want to be cleared like we don't want that kind of stuff going on here, while others, as you indicate, would be quite proud of their haunted history. Well, when they moved in, this entity had been living there for quite some time and they get a charge out of it because it's such amusement of what was that it's a source of conversation. Here we are. But I emphasize to the world the rock pizza in Everett Linwood. They have got great pizza. You could take the family there, your buddies. It has a golden key. It's not just for the rock and roll crowd. It's for everybody. It's a fun place. All right. Now, I heard there were two pizza places, man. Oh, yes. So what's the other one? A while back, I was talking to someone about the shows. and We were talking about places like Port Townsend and so forth. And they said, what about Anacortes? I went up there and I stuck my head in a restaurant, and I was asking, they said, oh yeah, we have hauntings, this whole main drag does, this is off of Commercial Avenue. They said, but I would be aware of, and I could just hear that organ music, of the village pizza, and if you're there, do not go upstairs to the attic. Well, later, when I was at the opposite end of that street, of course, I wouldn't go to the village pizza, and if you do, they mention the attic. Well, that first place I went, they were two doors down for it. Of course, I'm going to walk in there. They're very polite, and they said the whole street is, and we have an awful lot here. And so they were saying they would see objects, shadows, everything. They're accustomed to it. Well, they had a grand stairwell, pretty much. I went up that, and they had a beautiful convention room on the second floor, and there was a woman there tidying it up, getting it ready for a convention. And I told her what I was doing, and she said, well, you know about the attic. And she pointed at the door, and there it was. 
I opened the door, because this is the building from the late 1800s, and it had an abnormally steep, lengthy stairwell that was at least 45 degrees. It was steep. You would have to lean forward and have your hand on those railings. Mm. When I got to the top of it, and it took an eternity to get there by my standards, it was a proverbial haunted attic. It was all wooden floors, bare light bulbs, and it was a horseshoe. You walk into one room, and then when you see the wall, there's an opening at the end, and then a room of equal sizes there because it was divided in half by that divider, and they had tiny closets in each side. You'd see the Christmas decorations. You'd see buckets of paint. You'd see chairs, beautiful wall hangings that could be put up right away. There's storage room. But it was very eerie, and I felt a vastness. I didn't feel a present there. I felt like I was out there in the galaxy. I felt a vastness inside that room. So I didn't stay long, maybe 10 minutes, took a lot of pictures, because at night I inspect the pictures if there was something there. I go back down those stairs, having to lean backwards and holding onto that railing. And I asked, why is that room considered haunted? And she said, this building used to be the town mortuary. And oh so this building gosh. top to bottom had it. And there's something mm. about that room where noises, screams, mm. voices, things moving, thrown about everything. So I obviously caught it at a bad time. Maybe it was night time, nap time, excuse me. But the whole town knew not to go up that flight of stairs the way I did. Mm. Well, I'm glad nothing uh, unforeseen happened to you. Yeah, no. well, you know what? Suzanne brings up a great point here. As much chronicling, as much adventuring of your own that you do, have you ever had the sensation that somebody wanted to come home with you that the rest of us couldn't see? I do because a home that I sold recently, the woman who died in it, it was converted into a hospice because she thought she had beat cancer to Dennett. This is in a 55 and older mobile home park. The bank had to repossess it when she passed. And for whatever reason, those of us looking to buy couldn't get in. The realtor couldn't get the key. And then mysteriously, they said, hey, Matt, someone from the bank's here. You could take a look inside. And so they sold me the home before it was put on the market, knowing that the lady down the street died there. I'd never met her, but I knew who she was. Okay, I always felt watched. I would be taking my bath at like 1 in the morning. I would get out, and I would go outside. I'd have to walk out. I'd have to get out of there. I would go to a 24-hour gym. It bothered me. Then the day came where my former wife, second husband, great guy, he wanted to buy it. And his brother loved it. Well, that's an answer to everything here. It's yours. I told him about it. He told me that he has never felt anything, but he knows that I'm telling the truth. Okay. Since then, I stayed with a buddy, and then I bought a place in Marysville. On different occasions, I have heard the whisper of a woman's voice addressing me. I could decipher that it was a female voice, an older woman, but I could not distinct exactly what she was saying. It was the being alarmed hearing that. And all I could think of is something allowed me to get access to that home and buy it. So I'm adding two and two, and so that's my answer, and I'm going to give it a yes. Yikes. That's a big old yikes. 
I wanted to make sure that we allowed time for a story about a place that many people in and around Seattle, I lived there over 20 years and I didn't get down there. I'm sorry that I didn't. And maybe we will in the future, Suzanne. I've always wanted to visit the Long Beach area and Ilwaco. There is a famous and famously haunted lighthouse there by reputation. I have been there many, many times. And of all the lighthouses I visited, this is the one I know the best. I've been inside the keeper's house many times. I've been up where the lamp is overlooking the ocean, which is called Cape Disappointment. Cape Disappointment got its name in 1788 when an English captain, John Mears, knew that there had to be a river because of how the currents were churning. But he couldn't find it, but he knew it would be a mighty one. Later, it was what we known to be the Columbia River. The lighthouse was built in 1898, and sadly, one of the lighthouse keeper's wife, who was very depressed and disillusioned because they get gale forces measured up to 120 miles an hour, and the loneliness being there, she threw her body over the cliff. The cliff where her body ended up, it was a 194-foot drop. It has been later known to be called Dead Man's Cove or Dead Man's Hollow because many bodies have been found there throughout the years. We've had, in 1853, the Vandalia sank at the mouth of the Columbia. Captain Beard was at the helm. They had a crew of 14, and the currents took him to a cove just north of the lighthouse. He was found face down in the lagoon. It was named Beard's Hollow after him. And in fact, the local park is named the Vandalia, and too many people don't realize the tragic story behind it. Underneath the lighthouse was referred to as Dead Man's Cove or Dead Man's Hollow because three more sailors washed up there, including a 14-year-old boy. And tragically, through the years, when there would be a lost sailor or a lost fisherman, sometimes that spot is where the currents would wash them up to shore. Now, the ghost adventure people were there, and they were just marveled at this place. They see a keeper's wife, Mary. They see her ghost walking around, and they would see her in the lighthouse, in the keeper's house. On a rainy night, often people see an old man in a uniform, and sometimes that spirit in the uniform has been spotted inside the keeper's house. The ghost adventure people, with all they know and what they work with, they said they could feel the pulsating souls of all those sailors who didn't make it to shore. We have what's known as Peacock Split, and that is where, in 1841, the USS Peacock ran aground. It's an underwater sandbar, but miraculously, everybody survived that shipwreck. However, the worst maritime disaster happened on that very Peacock Split, which was January 12, 1936, the SS Iowa, with the loss of all 34 lives. In that general area close to the lighthouse, they know of at least 20 shipwrecks. But the Pacific coast, especially in that Washington area, northern California, southern Washington, that's referred to as the Pacific Graveyard because they have it documented since the 1700s. There are over 
2,000 shipwrecks out there. Wow. 2,000 shipwrecks in one location. You know, Matt, excuse me. There, I met a submariner from the Navy, guy who was at that time in his 30s there, and he indicated in some detail there why not everybody can do that. And of course, the U.S. Navy well understands this. Being a submariner isn't for everybody. Being a lighthouse keeper or the wife of a lighthouse keeper, that's not for everybody. It seems to me that with, with the wildness of nature around you, there's a certain romance to it, but there also seems to be a lot of desolation, a lot of loneliness. You hit the word. If you remember the book, the Genesis Book of World's Records, they had people who could see how long they could live in a cave miles away from society. And then finally they would radio out because they lost their sanity. What it does to someone, it's a type of water torture that digs deeper and deeper in time. And again, we have done lighthouse shows where those lighthouses have had numerous suicides for the same reason. Mm, That's a rough life. Well, I mean, it's you doing what you do in a pretty confined space, and yet it is mission critical to the sailors. But to make it a lifestyle, I don't think so. I'd, I'd wind up being the stereotype. I would be the, the lighthouse keeper that comes down, tries to chase away you meddling kids. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for them. It's a seven-day-a-week job. Yeah, you live it. I mean, yeah. it, it is a life. It is a lifestyle. And here is all this history around you. Do you think people go into something like this, Matt, with some sense of foreboding? The tales are out there. They are, it's like somebody who buys that dream home off the lake. And then after a while, it, it was the thought of it was so much nicer than the reality to it. Yes. And I remember, I think it was either Norman Rockwell or possibly Charles Adams. They did a beautiful, in fact, it was on a New York, Post, so that would have been Norman Rockwell, I believe. But it was a Valentine's Day picture, and I'm getting ready to cry, a painting of a Coast Guard keeper looking at his rowboat ah. because somebody left a Valentine for him. Oh, my. Oh, my. Mm. If Suzanne and I or any of our listeners were in the region where this lighthouse is in Ilwaco and beautiful Long Beach, a lovely community unto itself, and a very quirky one at that. Let's say we decide, oh, we're going to spend a couple of nights in ocean shores, and why don't we find a good haunted hotel room? What about the historic Gray Gull? I have been there, honest to goodness, over 100 times because I've been going there for over 30 years, and it has a calling for me. A week ago, my buddy Pete and I went there, and it was a dead night in ocean shores, my favorite one, up the street, the pizza parlor, the Red Genie, they said, yes, we're haunted. In the corner of this building, when you enter the front door to the far left back, we see the shadow of an old fisherman of last century. We see his shadow kind of moving around. Many fishermen have been lost out there in the ocean. I asked, what about the Shiloh in across the street? She said, oh, yeah, the stories are true. They do have a haunting there. It's a woman. Well, Pete and I had dinner down the street, and the two servers worked there. One worked there 14 years, one worked 15 years. His mother was still working there. He said, the Shiloh Inn 
a woman had committed suicide there, and she's the haunting. And they'd seen her shadows. They'd heard the screams, the voices, doors opening. They would see glasses thrown from the bar. Mm. Amazing. Now, getting back to the Gray Gold, my favorite hotel, every time I'm there, they have updated stories. Room 201 has many. They have recordings of hearing voices there. The housekeepers would have people talking and hush-hush. Then when they'd open the door, nobody's there. The maintenance guys were doing work. They locked it. Upstairs, they could hear furniture moving around. They go back down, unlock their construction site. Things have been moved around. Nobody else is there. They even bought one of those meters that detects energy, some type of life form, and they say it goes crazy when they go in that room. Now, room 107 has haunted stories, doors opening, shadows, and upstairs, room 306 has the same. But recently, room 307 had been added to the list. The gray goal is a V-shaped building where the center part of it is closest to the street. The two outer points are closest to the ocean. This has a double layer. It has a loft upstairs where you have a spiral staircase leading to the loft. Recently, a few nights ago, on its own, people are staying there. The TV turned on by itself upstairs. The lamp and the radio turned on by itself. And then they saw shadow figures moving about in the bathroom. The woman who I spoke to who shared this, she was the newest employee. She knew who I was because my logo has a beach picture taken from the back of that hotel. And she told me that part of the orientation in that hotel is you are told in advance, yes, we are haunted, and you're going to see things, especially night shift. And she said, by the way, in the 1970s, we lost an eight-year-old boy in our outdoor swimming pool. Mm -hmm. They see little footprints sometimes, wet feet. They will see wet handprints. And they're not always at the same spot. They just showed up the pool's clothes. This is 2 in the morning. What's going on here? We already did that. Matt Shea, thank you once again. Excellent chronicler of ghostly activity that you are. We will do this again. I love it. Yep, we knew we wanted to have you around for Halloween weekend, and you have come through. A plus, buddy. A plus. We wish everyone happy Halloween to you. Stay safe out there. Have a great time. We'll be back next Friday right here on AM 1150 with another Manson Mitchell. 